All right, happy Friday. Glad you're with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number. It's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? Uh-oh. We got more bad news. If you're a Democrat, October job growth far exceeds expectations. The unemployment rate for African-Americans down to another record low. Whoopsie-daisy. Little problem on our way to the the talking down of the economy. I want a recession. Bill Maher prayer for 2020. 128,000 jobs uh, added last month. That topped expectations all by itself. Upward revisions of the prior two months added another 95,000 jobs for a grand total of 223,000 new jobs added to the economy. And what everybody was worried about was the GM strike, which is a huge drag on on both job growth, growth and GDP. I keep telling everybody we need these jobs. These guys got to look unions and these companies have got to work in tandem here so that these we don't want the manufacturers leaving again and we don't want the jobs going to other countries again. And, you know, they get into these, well, pissing matches, to, for lack of a better term, and it goes back and forth. The, the answer is simple, is that performance profit sharing is the answer. I mean, yeah, obviously have, you know, your, your standard salary benefits, whatever that happens to be. And then the next step is, OK, everybody has a vested interest in kicking butt and doing well. And if you do that, that would that would be it. Anyway, so they were worried about that, but not, obviously not the drag that everybody thought it would be. Um, but that, of course, is bad news if you're a Democrat, because, oh, you know, good news for the for the country, for the economy. Bad news for them. You know, I, I spent a lot of time the um, and this has actually now been made public. Um, apparently, the internal polls of the Republican Party that they've had. But I, I spent time on the phone's with a couple of pollster friends of mine, and they're confirming the same thing. This is now heading south, and it's going to head south very quickly. And I predict the American people, they're rightly conflating three years of lying conspiracy theories, a hoax, four separate investigations, Trump-Russia collusion, FBI, House Intel, Senate uh, Bipartisan Committee, Mueller report, and then now we got Ukraine interference. And they are rightly saying, you know what? We're, we're sick of the lies. We're sick of the conspiracies. We're sick of you just, we get it. You hate Donald Trump. Go beat him. But they even admit, what's the congressman's name, Al Green or whatever his name is? We better impeach him because God knows we're not going to be able to beat the guy. Congressman, um, are you concerned that impeachment talk may actually help the president's reelection? I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. Yeah. And one of the two, the the van, whatever his name is, guy from New Jersey, Congressman, one of the two that voted against this hack resolution uh, that was only meant to as a like a propaganda piece pre uh, present to the American people the appearance of fairness. And it's anything but because the almighty and all powerful compromise, corrupt, um, coward, congenital liar, Adam Schiff, he he gets to make any rule he wants. Republicans have the right to ask for this. They have the right to ask for that. They have the right to ask. Okay, they had the right to ask before. 
saying that they have the right to ask doesn't make it any less illegitimate and lacking due process because that idiot who is compromised and a fact witness in the case uh, gets to override anybody. He is the judge, jury, the executioner all in one. And he's been the biggest liar. We've got the evidence, all the evidence. The evidence is there. Russia, collusion, Russia, Russia, Russia. So now people see the president has done a good job. By any measure, a president should be able to go after a first term in re-election. We're one year and two days away now from the next election. November 3rd, 2020. Am I right on that, Linda? You can check. That is election day. That is one year and two days from today. And the American people are going to ultimately make a judgment on the job that Donald Trump has done as president. Now, there's somebody, you know, without Trumpism and Trumpyism and Donald Trump being Trump, he'd be running away by every metric and he'd, it would be a landslide. It's like saying, yeah, we want you to now, now that you've, you've made all these gains being Trump, we want you to stop. We want you to take the switch in your mind and turn it off and stop being the fighter that, let's see, kept his promises on judges and tax cuts and bureaucracy and cutting the bureaucracy and and finding the way finally to build the wall, which is going to be a big, big, big issue if he builds that wall. Um, and of course, trade deals that helps American workers with Canada, Japan and Mexico and Western European allies and Japan and even a half a deal with China. You know, he's kept all those promises and the president he has more to do. And what a, he's building up our defenses again. And in the meantime, he also killed Baghdadi, the world's number one most brutal, evil terrorists on the face of the earth. And he's got his number two and his spokesperson and three others in the process. But he won't get credit from the mob either on any of these points. It, it, it's never been this corrupt. It's never been this abusively, obnoxiously biased. I mean, the media can't contain themselves. And my hope a year and two days from now is when you tune in on election night and you're watching, probably the exit polls will come in. About 5.15 Eastern, disaster. President Trump's been beaten. All right, let's see. Because if you tune in, then at 6 o'clock when the coverage begins, Eastern time, then if all the anchors are giddy because the exit polls show that the president lost, you know what the exit polls said. We will have told you anyway that day beforehand because I always, you're not supposed to talk about it, but I always do. I don't care. Um, the internal polling and my pollsters are telling me and they're in sync together. That this effort, this secret lack of due process, Soviet style, never ending impeachment, 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 impeachment and madness is now driving the Democratic Party off a cliff. And when you think about it, what have they done? They can't name a single accomplishment in all this time because they haven't accomplished anything. And so what it should now serve as an admonition and warning. Now, they're too stupid probably to listen. They probably have pollsters they've hired that will tell them what they want to hear. I've never believed and I believe to this day nobody should believe. I, I don't think Donald Trump will ever poll like any conventional or establishment politician because he's not one. There's this. Trump factor, if you will, which is, you know what? I'm not going to tell you I just voted for him, but you can go shove it. That kind of exists out there. Um, 
most people see that this is also a lot deeper than Trump. I mean, long after Donald Trump, let's say, serves his two terms, that we the people will still be here that voted for him. We the people, the people that showed up at his rallies are still going to be here. We smelly Walmart. Trump supporting voters and irredeemable deplorables that cling to God, guns, Bibles and and our faith and our religion and belief in God. Yeah, we're still going to be here because he's tapped into something that's real. And what's been real is people are fed up. They're fed up with the swamp, the sewer, the corruption, the smoke filled room, back door dealing crap. Anyway, the Republicans and my polling guys tell me and assure me 17 target states, Trump's approval ratings up and he's at an all time high favorability among Republicans. That's good in case you get the wobbly Republicans in the Senate, which I'm sure there'll be a few. I don't think Mitt Romney will ever get over that he lost running for president. Doesn't matter how unfair the process is. I mean, he just he's had it out for Trump and is going to continue to have it out for Trump. Uh, except when he accepts his endorsement when he's running, of course. Um, And there's a a five, there's a massive increase in the number of Americans that now would like to see Joe and Hunter Biden investigated. Now, that's interesting to me because you notice how the mob in the media, they've just dismissed that as, ah, that's just a conspiracy theory. Oh, conspiracy. Nobody. He's never done anything wrong. He, there's nothing. Everybody agrees. There's no evidence that there's any wrongdoing. There's none. No, no. And that's Hannity on Fox. Don't believe Hannity on Fox. Come on. Hannity is a conservative. You can't believe anything he says. The president took every opportunity to spread unsubstantiated claims and attack his political enemies. Trump is referring to unfounded allegations that as vice president, Biden tried to protect his son by stopping an investigation into the Ukrainian company that his son worked for. Biden and his son have denied all wrongdoing and there is no evidence of any. And there's no evidence either Biden did anything wrong. But there's been no evidence of any wrongdoing. But there's there has been he uncovered no no evidence, no evidence, no evidence, no evidence of wrongdoing. Doing by Biden, Rudy Giuliani claims without proof, unsubstantiated, unsubstantiated, unfounded, unfounded accusations against Biden. Hunter Biden did not violate anything. And there's no evidence Biden did anything wrong. And the president Let me just saying, interrupt here I, because we can go on forever. Like it's, it's sort of like the two minute. Everyone loves the montage where, you know, you hear the typing, the date and and you all we've heard is impeachment since two days after the president. No evidence, no evidence, no evidence, no, 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 manufacture, 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 stormy, 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 asshole, 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 impeach, 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 it's like a bunch of robots. But now people, you know, if there's no evidence, then you have to believe the following, that Joe Biden bragging on tape about his quid pro quo, how he shook down Ukraine and bragged about it, that I told him you got six hours, six hours, he said. You get six, I fire him in six hours or you're not getting the billion. You fire him, you get the billion. You don't fire him, you're not getting the billion. That's called a quid pro quo, isn't it? The very thing that's so outraged about. It's like they were so outraged about Russia, 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 but not Hillary's dirty Russian dossier. They didn't care about that. They care so much about foreign election interference. Yeah, we have a court in Ukraine admitting it. And you have Politico admitting it. January 11th, 2017. And then, of course, then we find out, well, why would a vice president threaten and shake down a country to fire some stupid prosecutor? Oh, prosecutors investigating his son. 
He's not young, by the way. The kid's 49 years old. Uh, and why would they investigate his son? Because the dope went on. Good Morning America confirmed everything we already knew. Do you have any experience in Ukraine? No. Energy? No. Oil? No. Gas? No. Why do you think they were paying you millions? I don't know. Maybe because it's your father? Probably. That's probably the reason I'm thinking. Yeah, maybe. Possibly. Yeah, so now Americans, not, you see, I, I know they live in their bubble, the media bubble, the D.C. bubble, the New York, L.A., San Francisco bubble, but the rest of us don't live in their distorted, twisted, ugly, you know, uh, way. We're actually real Americans that shop at Walmart and bow our heads and ask for God's forgiveness and blessings in life and our families. And, and yeah, we believe in the second amendment and we're not irredeemable, deplorable people. We're actually real Americans that make the country great and make it run every day. Uh, the people that do most of the living and breathing and building and dying is uh, George Bailey once famously said, and it's a wonderful life. The ones they have contempt for. So anyway, it is it is what it is. But I'm guessing this backlash continues. And I'm guessing that this is not going to work out well for them. As we roll along, 800-941-SEAN. And, and impeachment is not popular, according to these polls in these states. So you got a good economy. You've got these polls now. As we predicted, it's it's not going well. Americans, Washington Examiner, Americans of every political stripe reacting to this corrupt, you know, compromise, congenital liar, shift Pelosi pushed to railroad the president. And all these efforts now are boosting the GOP base everywhere around the country. I'm reading from the Washington Examiner. The longer this goes, we are seeing more and more voters shift to supporting the president, recognizing that this is a totally partisan endeavor by the Democrats. The thing is, and they laughed at the president saying, well, I'll just, well, I'll just read the transcript of Fireside Chat, which I thought was pretty funny on the president's part. Um, and now that we know, look, we know enough about the whistleblower to know that the whistleblower is a partisan, a whistleblower that was a holdover from the Obama era, a whistleblower that worked for John Brennan a whistleblower that had contact with Schiff's office. We, these are all real questions we need real answers to. I did notice an amusing story that the whistleblower's lawyer is threatening journalists uh, and, and out there saying that there might be legal action against them. Our client is legally entitled to anonymity. Well, I don't actually think that's true. Now, I have not independently confirmed it myself, so I do what I always do. I believe in due process, assumption of presumption of innocence. So I, we always wait. That's our standard operating procedure. But, you know, that's the, the one that Paul Sperry mentioned in Real Clear Investigations is the one that everyone's talking about. Um, They haven't seemed to have factored in yet that the IG report is real and it's here. It's when, on the precipice. We can now finally freaking taste it. Maybe we'll taste it before we have our Thanksgiving turkey. It's taken long enough. And then the Durham report will come, which now has taken on greater significance being officially a criminal investigation. And that means subpoenas and that means convening grand juries and charges can be filed. All right, we'll continue.
sure to check in as soon as you get to your car after work for breaking information you need to know about. This is the Sean Hannity Show. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. You know, we're a little devastated at the program. Um, We've told you about LoneStarTransfer.com. They're an advertiser of this program, but they're actually more than that. They're people that we've gotten to know. Uh, Brian and Karen Holloway. And uh, Linda, you can tell the story, you know, but Brian had a massive stroke. Very, Um, very suddenly. And we are absolutely devastated for Karen. Um, You know, she's... They were just dear friends of the show. They came up to every event we had for our advertisers. Oh, they're just amazing. It's so fun to be around, too. And Brian is, you know, Brian's larger than life. He had a cowboy hat to match that larger than life personality, cowboy boots. And, you know, Karen was sort of the uh, the quiet and funny partner. And they were just awesome and um, just lovely, lovely people. And obviously the stroke came very suddenly. And um, Karen and I were texting last night and I just said to her, in all truth, you know, I'll share it with you. I just said, I am so devastated for you. I am praying for you. My heart breaks for you. And she was like, Linda, I literally am leaning on God because I just don't have the strength. I don't know how I'm going to do it without him. And I honestly just asked the audience to pray for Karen. You know, these people are awesome. They started a business from the ground up. It's a family business and her and Brian did it together and they answered the phones. They talked to the customers, the listeners, you know, they're just awesome people. And we're just so sorry. It's such lovely people. I'm, and yes, I echo all of your sentiments and it's just devastating. I, you know, um, I always say it, but when it happens, you know, it's like even losing a parent. Like I know people that have sick parents and you have one, you, you know, you've had your dad's been sick a little bit lately. And I always say, just spend the time with your parents, but you'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. You never regret it because you know, my dad died six months after I started on Fox news. Now on my 24th year and my mom really not that long after you just, you know, you're, you just, regret it. You regret you didn't spend the time. In my case, I was out traveling and working and traveling and working and, you know, living outside of where they lived. And, um, but they're just good people. And you think back of their lives and how hard they work and, you know, things just happen. I don't know. It loss is just one of those things that is so painful. And, and Karen, if you're listening, we love Brian and we love you. And we're thinking about you and praying for you today and your whole family. I know you're all devastated. And uh, our thoughts and prayers remain with you. And everybody goes through this. The road less travel starts with this line. It goes, life is hard. Life is difficult. You have to accept that part of life. Every There's not one person. And this transcends, trust me, socioeconomics. I've been poor, poor, poor. And now, um, I, yeah, I get paid a lot of money to get the crap beat out of me by the media every day. Um, but it's, by the way, there's a funny story to that, too. Um, and but you, nobody escapes. Nobody. Nobody escapes life's hardness. Nobody escapes loss. Nobody escapes pain. Nobody. You just it is a part of what what I think is designed to mold our character. Now, I believe in God, the almighty. I believe in heaven and earth. And I believe that there is a better place. And I believe that heaven is real to quote the book. Heaven is real. Um, but it doesn't take away the pain in moments like this. Just hard. Um, which by the way is what an election day is about one year and two days from today. It's about, you know, this is a choice election unlike any we've had. You know, it's very hard. I know 
for a lot of people to grasp and understand what it is that is driving this against Donald Trump the way they're driving it so hard. It is that he has touched a nerve, an underbelly, a gross, disgusting, corrupt underbelly that is Washington. And even the Republicans that don't really like him, they're exposed to in this. And that these swamp creatures have not done their job. They have not been servants of the people. That this whole system has needed the the shock and disruption that it's now experiencing. Americans did not go blindly in 2016 and think, oh, they were electing any establishment figure. You know, Access Hollywood happened how many weeks before the election? Was it two weeks, three weeks before the election? American people factored in Donald Trump, the the full-on force of nature that he is, character, imperfect as he is, against and weighed it seriously against the same old swamp creatures, and, and nobody embodies that more of the culture of corruption than the Clintons. And to get there, he had to beat a lot of big-name people, a lot of governors and a lot of senators and a lot of people that had a lot more political experience and he's resonating. And in our lifetime, we've never seen this political force of nature. I mean, to an extent, Obama had a charisma about him. Um, There was a movement with Obama. There was a, a, I think it was more smoke and mirrors though, but it was more hope and change and yes, we can and promise and youth and slogans and bumper stickers. And nobody really wanted to dig deep into who he was and what, what his ideology was, his background, his lack of experience and acorn and community organizing and the, the impact of somebody 20 years and Reverend Wright's GD America church and black liberation theology and, Nobody could quite figure out the heirs and Dorn scandal. They will people were willing to just kind of overlook a lot of it. By every measure, if we go by four years, are we better off than you were four years ago? By every objective measure, we are economically. And yeah, now Baghdadi's dead. And America's got the lowest unemployment that it's had in, in 50 years. And and very significantly, the people that have benefited most are people that have been lied to the most. I had a conversation, I don't know if I should mention it on the air, with a, a, an African-American CEO of one of America's biggest companies today. I was blown away at how great this individual was in terms of not only the great success story in his own personal life, which I researched before a call that I had with him, but more importantly, his passion and love for the country. And more importantly, even than that, how he wants to transcend policies. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, think about Donald Trump running and saying to the African-American community, you got nothing to lose because that's pretty much what the message was. And now he has record low unemployment now again for African-Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment. I mean, it's a fascinating the, the, the policies are the single greatest force 
for working people in this country. Those were the Reagan Democrats in the 80s that crossed over and went to Ronald Reagan. That that, that was the force. There was a GM worker this week, a car, um, somebody on an assembly line that was quoted as saying, yeah, Donald Trump cares about us. And it's obvious he does. Why do you think he's fighting so hard? Why does he say America first? Remember, Obama and Biden pretty much, they'd given up. Those jobs ain't coming back. Well, they're coming back. And America can be manufacturing again. You know, we did need better trade deals. We were treated like crap as a country, just basically blanked all over all the time and screwed over by everybody. And he said, nobody's ever just negotiated a deal. And the fact that it gets uncomfortable when you're negotiating, oh, you know, people get squeamish. I've never understood that part of things. That's what you're supposed to fight for American jobs and American workers and American manufacturing. Why is it a big deal to get rid of burdensome bureaucracy, which Donald Trump has single handedly wiped out 100 years worth worth of of these policies that destroyed companies and literally pushed them out of the United States of America? Why is there this mass exodus from all of these blue states? New York, California. California is a mess. What do they do with the 13.5% state income tax or New York, the 10% state income tax? You know, I paid very close attention to the story about the president has now changed his primary residence from New York City to Palm Beach, Florida, according to documents filed with the Palm Beach County Circuit Court. Same with the first lady. You know what? It's about time. President did say, I cherish New York, the people of New York. I always will. I remember many, 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 many years ago saying, why don't you just get the hell out of here? You're going to save so much. And he's so resistant, didn't want to do it. Well, this is my home. This is where I grew up. I didn't want, he didn't want to do it. But they're flocking. So anyway, what, what's the answer from Governor Cuomo? Good riddance. Okay. It's like when, when Cuomo said, these conservatives that are pro-life and pro-Second Amendment and pro-gun, and he says anti-gay, which I'm not, that they're not real New Yorkers. Like, uh, their problem is not me and the Democrats. Their problem is themselves. Who are they? Are they these extreme conservatives who are right to life, a poor assault weapon, anti-gay? Is that who they are? Because if that's who they are, and if they are the extreme conservatives, they have no place in the state of New York. So this- because that's not who New Yorkers are. That's not who New Yorkers are. Now, he said something else that's even more interesting. He's now that he's saying good riddance to Donald Trump. That tax the rich, tax the rich. We, we did. And they're leaving. Listen. We have one of the most progressive tax codes in the United States, which is a good thing, which means the richer you are, the more you pay. However, that presents a very fragile economy. Because then you are relying on a very small number of people for the vast amount of your tax dollars. One percent of the taxpayers 
pay nearly half of all the taxes. 1% pay nearly half of all those taxes. Those 1% are the richest people in the state, they're the richest people in the country, and they are the most mobile people in the country. And you see the chart on the bottom. Top 1%, about 46%. Top 5%, 63% of all the revenue. Top 10%, 74% of all the revenue. Tax the rich, tax the rich, tax the rich. We did. Now, God forbid the rich leave. They're leaving. And I'll tell you this, Elizabeth Warren gets elected. They're going to leave the United States. They're not stupid. Rich people, I, I never met, I guess maybe they're stupid rich people in terms of, you know, um, trust fund people. I guess maybe they're not so smart. I don't know. I don't know them. I don't know those people. Everybody I know that made money in life worked their ass off. Everybody. I, I don't know anybody that works a, an eight hour day. I'm like, what? And there's nobody on my team. That, you know, when we talk about this, they're rolling their eyes. They're like, we deserve our free lunch you buy us every day, Hannity. We deserve the bonuses that you give us for Christmas. They, and they do. That's why I give it to them. But, I mean, everyone goes all in. I, nobody doesn't answer my call or text on a weekend. Linda, if I text you on a weekend, how quick do I want an answer? Uh, the weekday before. Yeah. And, by the way, I have rules. The only one who gets away with not texting me back is Uncle James. He's the only one. He has an exception. He just steadfastly refuses to cooperate with texting. It drives me nuts. You know it's true. So oh, you mean James who doesn't head, no. have any of the normal formalities in any phone call ever? Yeah. The man who does not say hello or goodbye? It, it, listen, but he does his great job. He does. He's, he's the best at what he does, like everybody else we have working for us. Um, I love how the article today, Trump would, without the Trumpiness, would win election in a landslide. I'm like, well, you don't have Trump then. Look, this is about the country. We have a lot of things to fix here. We first got to fix this republic. We've got to get established the rule of law again, equal justice under the law again, uh, equal applications of our loan again, of our, our laws again. Ron Johnson demands it, demanding the DOJ, DOJ release secret Hillary Obama emails. Yeah, it's time. She got away with crimes it needs to be gone back to deep state operatives premeditated fraud on a fisa court that needs to be we need to hold people accountable those that were spying illegally on a president of the united states those that would subvert and leak uh information that no other president has ever had to deal with yeah that we needs to get to the to the bottom of that's all going to happen but at the end of the day, the, the, the screaming, the yelling, the injustice, the unfairness, the obsession, the hate, it's never going to go away. There's only one antidote to what's going on because they want Elizabeth Warren or somebody like her and some new Green Deal person. That will destroy the country that we love and grew up in. Socialism will fail and it will fail spectacularly. And people with money will leave. They'll stop investing. They'll find other safe havens to invest. And opportunity will go away. And America will go into a precipitous, rapid decline. Because these are promises that can never be fulfilled. One year and two days from now, doesn't matter what Pelosi 
and the compromised, corrupt, congenital liar Adam Schiff do. You get the last word. One year, two days from today. Mr. McCabe, if you would, um, would you be able to just say with specificity what the FBI verified in the Steele dossier before using it in FISA applications? I've heard generally, you know, I've heard generalities, but specifically what was verified in the dossier before it was used. And also, uh, if there's an explanation for why in the FISA applications, the FBI didn't just say, you know, directly or indirectly um, that Steel, Christopher Steele was being paid uh, by the Clinton campaign. Um, there are a lot of caveats and there's a lengthy yeah. footnote in there. Um, but I was just w- wondering if you'd be able to answer those two questions. Sure. So the answer to your first question is no. Uh, I will not go into specificity about what the FBI verified prior to the FISA or after. And the answer to your second question is I will wait, as I'm sure you will, eagerly to see what uh, Mr. Horowitz's conclusions are in that report. That's a matter that he is, uh, I assume, at the center of his investigation, and I am anxious to see what his thoughts on it are. Um, As you've mentioned, there was um, an extensive and detailed explanation inserted by the Department of Justice into that FISA package uh, that everyone involved believed accurately, uh, well, I shouldn't speak for everyone else, I'll speak for myself, I believed accurately reflected what we knew about Mr. Steele. So we're anxious to hear uh, what the IG thinks about that, and uh, we probably won't have to wait too much longer. The reason why Mr. Trump has this very contentious relationship with CIA and FBI and the deep state people. And you. And, and me, yeah. Specifically uh, you. I've heard He's that, yes. you. <laughs> Is because they tell the truth. Because they cannot be manipulated like clay in his hands. Because they will stand up and speak out when things are wrong. And they'll tell him what the truth is. And the truth he fears, because he has lived on anything but the truth, not just during his presidency, but even before that. So thank goodness for the women and men who are at the intelligence community and law enforcement communities who are standing up and carrying out their responsibilities on behalf of their fellow citizens. Uh, That John Brennan, by the way, is basically saying thank goodness for members of the deep state. Uh, Yeah, that would be abusing power if you weaponize the powerful tools of intelligence. McCabe not answering a question about what the FBI verified in the Steele dossier or Steele's role in Hillary's campaign. Uh, We already have the answers to those questions. We know they didn't verify it and it's unverifiable. Yet it was the bulk of information used in the FISA warrant application process, which says that the top of the application verified. That means that was premeditated fraud against the FISA court for the purpose of obtaining a warrant on Carter Page. By the way, taking away all of his constitutional rights. Remember, McCabe once said famously now, infamously, perhaps, that without the dossier, there's 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 no FISA warrant. Wow. That's how powerful it was. The bulk of information, according to the Grassley Graham memo, Nunes memo. Yeah, was the dirty bought and paid for Russian dossier that nobody cared about for three years when we we're talking about Russian interference, just like nobody in the mob and the media cares about Ukrainian interference in the 2016 election. 
And a Ukrainian court has even said they interfered. They are willing to give us the evidence that they interfered. Joe Biden doesn't, you know, just like they don't care that Biden, you know, in a quid pro quo, he's bragging about leverage the billion taxpayer dollars for the purpose of firing a prosecutor. You know, you're not getting the million. You're not getting the billion dollars. I'm going to take it home. Unless you fire that guy, you got six hours. If you fire him, you get the money. Quid pro quo. Why did he want to fire a prosecutor in Ukraine? Oh, the guy that was investigating his own son, who had no experience in Ukraine, oil, energy, gas, but was paid millions of dollars while he was the vice president of the United States. And it's not the only country. You know, it's this is getting to a point. We better start getting on track. Look, if we're going to have deep state Brennan operatives uh, leaking whatever they want, non-whistleblower, whistleblowers, he's not a whistleblower. This would be called a leaker. This would be called somebody colluding with Adam Schiff's staff. And to what extent with Brennan, I hope we one day find out. But the House of Cards in many ways is coming tumbling down. We now know the Durham investigation is officially a criminal investigation with the ability to subpoena and convene a grand jury and charges be laid out. I would expect we're going to have people charged at some point. We're going to before Thanksgiving. Finally, I am told, get the ever so anticipated FISA inspector general report. Let's see if premeditated fraud on the FISA court is revealed. Somebody who has been just killing it and exposing a lot of the corruption from the Obama Justice Department is Sidney Powell, friend of this program. She is now the attorney for General Michael Flynn, author of the definitive book on prosecutorial uh, abuse, License to Lie, um, is here to update us on what she's discovering in, in the Flynn case because it, it runs parallel to all the things we're discussing. Uh, Sidney Powell, uh, welcome back. How's General Flynn? Where are you with the case? Uh, because, uh, you, as you said, you expect the judge is not going to, is well, obviously postponing sentencing, and you believe the prosecutors could be held in contempt ultimately. Uh, Yes, the judge has not postponed sentencing yet, but he canceled oral arguments for next week because of the comprehensive briefing of the parties. That was our comprehensive brief, primarily. And he did allow the government to file a surreply, which they just did today, that it's really absolutely nothing new and more evidence. They simply dwell in an alternative universe of their own imagining. They keep going back to the fact he pled guilty and waived all his rights, and now they tell us they they knew his counsel was conflicted, but they never raised that issue with the court. So we expect to have uh, fun writing our reply brief, which we will file by Monday. Okay, what what are you discovering? What tell us? Paint the picture for people maybe that don't understand. We do know certain things about the case. We know that. That uh, James Comey's on tape bragging that oh, I did something I'd never do or get away with in the Bush or Obama years. And, yeah, I sent my guys over to take advantage of the chaos of the new Trump administration on day four. Uh, Andrew McCabe was asked by General Flynn if he needed an attorney when he heard FBI guys were coming to see him. He said, oh, no, not at all. But in fact, that was an interrogation and they did deny him Miranda rights. Tell us what else that you have discovered. 
Oh, it's stunning, Sean. They actually planned all of that at length. Strzok admits that he and McCabe met numerous times to decide whether to interview Flynn and how to go about it. There was a small group meeting the day before the interview of General Flynn in which they strategized about how to keep him relaxed and unguarded for the interview. Um, The Strzok page text messages we found a new one the government never produced that indicated Strzok was sitting around talking with Bill pre-step the night of January 10th about using the Steele dossier in the news as a pretext to interview people. Of course, Flynn was interviewed within uh, 14 days of that, I believe. They knew their entire investigation or claim for a reason to investigate was a pretext. They They had copies of the telephone calls. All his calls with the ambassador were already recorded and they had transcripts of them. They didn't have to go interview him to find out what the Russian ambassador said. They knew he had said and done nothing wrong. The entire interview was a pretext and carefully planned and strategized and orchestrated to take advantage of him believing they were friends and allies. When when did you where is it specifically? Because I, I, I don't recall uh, out of, uh, from my own memory reading any struck page text specifically going into the details of this. Uh, some were produced to prior counsel in the government's productions that dribbled out over the year before he pled. After Judge Sullivan came on the case, he entered what's called a Brady order requiring the government to turn over information favorable to the defense. And under that, they dribbled out things. Frankly, most of it was dribbled out only as it became publicly available through other sources, like the Comey uh, admission, for example. They knew of that. That a year earlier before they even spoke to Mr. Flynn uh, in interviewing him, and they didn't produce it to the defense until four days before his sentencing was scheduled in Judge Sullivan's court. So they had that for well over a year. I mean, it, it's just remarkable the way they went about orchestrating all of this. Explain what happened that moment where Judge Sullivan, I think, believed something about General Flynn and left the chambers and came back and there was an apology given. What happened in that instance? Well, I wondered as I was sitting there at the time, I happened to be in the courtroom that day. I was wondering, it almost felt like Judge Sullivan was pushing General Flynn to scream out, no, I'm innocent. I didn't do this. I mean, it felt to me like he did not want to proceed with the sentencing that day. And ultimately, he didn't. He suggested to the to the defense that they. But if I recall, he also didn't he say something? Well, my answer is not going to be any different if we don't do it today. Uh, I don't remember that exactly. He did uh, launch off on a suggestion that the general had arguably sold out his country while he was in the White House. And that's what he had to walk back when he came back on the bench. But we don't know, of course, what the government had given him sealed an ex parte that misled him into thinking that. Well, I mean, so the, why would the government be allowed to give him anything without you having? Oh, yeah, that I'm happens sorry. all the time. It, it, it happens all the time in criminal cases. Well, There's you still know, stuff in that file, I'm sure that I'm not aware of. Well, I mean, I'm trying to understand because it's taken so long. I thought as a matter of 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 law that any evidence must be presented to the other side, especially exculpatory evidence, which, by the way, you you deal with a lot, uh, how often it is sadly withheld 
uh, when there's instances of prosecutorial mis- uh, abuse. And that's the problem here. The government's claiming they've given us more than we were entitled to. So the judge is going to have to intervene to order us to be given more. And the problem for any defendant is he doesn't know what he doesn't know. The government literally holds all the cards and they routinely say, oh, well, that's not exculpatory, but they're not in a position to decide that. They're even claiming here that the uh, text message we found on our own that uh, Strzok was sitting around talking with Bill Priestap about the pretext for the interview. They claim that had nothing to do with Flynn. So that's not exculpatory to us. That is amazing to me. You know, one of the things we do know certain things in the case, we do know that they, yeah, had uh, unmasked General Flynn. We do know that they had a full they had the full conversation. We do know that he was denied his Miranda and basic constitutional rights by the deputy FBI director McCabe at the time. We do know that this was a setup by Comey that he's bragging about. I guess that's how we now treat 33 year veterans. Uh, And we know that he didn't lie because the FBI interrogators themselves, even after all of this, didn't think he was lying. Correct. Correct. So and then we know that at at the end of the day, he was still pled guilty because they were threatening to go after his son. Is that correct? That's correct. That and he was had been almost bankrupted by that time. Uh, the legal fees were enormous just from the purported FARA violations. He was uh, had paid Covington over a million dollars by early summer. And, and then the special counsel stuff started. Let me pick up yeah. there when we get back. Uh, Sidney Powell, attorney for General Michael Flynn with us. We're getting close. We're going to get this information and it can't come soon enough. Uh, Joe Concha on our corrupt media. We'll get to that. Um, a fascinating view of the Jeffrey Epstein suicide by Dr. Michael Bodden and David Schoen, who was representing him, coming up. All right, we continue with uh, Sidney Powell, attorney for General Michael Flynn, as we update that case. Do you believe that when we get the Inspector General report on FISA abuse and then later the Durham report, that there's going to be an intersection of issues that will involve your client, General Flynn? I think there will be. I'm very much looking forward to the FISA report. Now, do you believe, as I do, that the only conclusion has to be because there were multiple warnings that this was premeditated fraud? It was an unverifiable, dirty dossier paid for by Hillary, but it's premeditated fraud on a court to spy on a presidential candidate, transition team and president? Yes, I listened to what Mr. McCabe said as you played the opening, and I was appalled that anyone would consider that an accurate representation of what had happened with respect to Christopher Steele. I mean, Do you believe the, there'll be justice because of everybody saying, Hannity, we've known this for a long time now, and now no, nothing has happened. Do you believe there will be justice? I do believe there will be justice. I think there has to be justice or we're lost as a republic. It's a pretty scary admonition, Sidney Powell. Yes, it is. Yeah. All right. Our best to General Flynn. Um, by the way, if people want to get a hold of you, how do they do it? www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. All right. Sidney Powell, attorney for General Michael Flynn. 800-941-SHAWN is our number. When we come back, Joe Concha uh, on the corrupt media bias that is influencing all things political and impeachment madness and much more as we continue. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Glad you're with us. Uh, 800-941-SHAWN if you want to be a part of the program. Top of the next hour. I mean, this is... I've known Michael Baden for years. He's been a, a 
chief uh, medical examiner, famed uh, forensic pathologist. I mean, done more autopsies than we'd ever want to know. Um, anyway, he was sat in on the autopsy of Jeffrey Epstein, and he doesn't believe that this guy killed himself. He said that the evidence points dramatically more in the different in the way of a strangulation. Um, we'll talk to him and one of the attorneys uh, that was brought in at last minute in an Epstein case. We'll get to that. So last night, one of the most requested things that we've been running on TV is it's it's two minutes and 18 seconds. And it starts the day two days after Election Day 2016. And it's all through 2017, all through 2018, all through 2019. And it's just a sampling of how many times the radical extreme Democrats and the mob in the media said impeach, 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 impeach. Now, it's a little bit more visual, but I think it's worth playing on radio because, you know, we put in the typing noise and the typing noise that you hear is a visual of a date. So just imagine in your mind's eye that this is going all through again, starting two days after Election Day, all the way through 2017, all the way through 2018, all the way up to today. And this is just a small sampling impeachment mania. And it just shows you because there's nothing to impeach the president for in the in in we we have the transcript. President's funny. Say, maybe I'll do a fireside chat and read it. And the mob just, you know, gets triggered again. Can you believe this? It's going to read the transcript. Well, I mean, everyone's interpretation that they put so much value on. Let the American people hear what the president said. Cracks me up, actually. But here it is. And then uh, we're going to go come on the other side of it with our buddy Joe Concha straight ahead. If he takes the risk of going to trial, he's convicted. That could be seen as an impeachable offense. If Trump were caught on a video camera snorting cocaine in the White House, maybe with one of his children, there was at least a chance he'd be impeached. If he's not a legitimately elected president in your mind, there are tools that Congress has. I don't see how that wouldn't be an impeachable offense. That tweet fits the Republican definition of an impeachable offense. I will fight every day until he is impeached. Impeach 45. Impeach 45. Grounds for impeachment. It's an impeachable offense. Perhaps impeachable offense is impeachment the appropriate remedy. Something for the Congress like impeachment. All of that may be impeachable. That's an impeachable offense. Is that an impeachable offense? Is that an impeachable offense to you? He's much more vulnerable to impeachment. A potential ingredient of impeachment. Where do you see an impeachable offense? It is grounds for impeachment. Grounds for impeachment. Potentially criminal or even impeachable. Grounds for impeachment or does that not go far enough in your view? Grounds for impeachment. This tweet alone may be an impeachable offense. Let's talk about impeachment. Impeachment is on the table. Which impeachable offense? Bullies don't win. And I said, baby, they don't. Because we're going to go in there, we're going to impeach them do you see an impeachable set of offenses it's an impeachable offense if that's not impeachable i don't know what is the president shall be removed from office on impeachment is it impeachable 100 percent is impeachable very substantial evidence that the president is guilty of high crimes and misdemeanor grounds for impeachment tipping point talk of impeachment reaches a fever pitch on capitol hill that's the madness we've now lived through Starting two days after Donald Trump was elected, this is to them, as I said yesterday, for, for the mob and the media, that this is a mission from God. They, 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 they know better. They can't believe that they lost. They can't believe Mueller didn't get them. They can't believe Russia flopped and blew up in their face. They don't know it yet, 
but this is blowing up in their face. I am looking at numbers that, well, I have, let's say, friends in high places that do polling and share with me what they see and what's going on. And what they're seeing is that what the Democrats are doing is driving the Democratic Party off a cliff. And when you look at some of the polling numbers that I have seen, and I have a lot of pollster friends around the country, that support for the president has increased. And very specifically in the key target states that would be most necessary for the president to win reelection. And his favorability has never been higher among Republicans and increasing as we go. And more Americans, by the way, now want Joe Biden investigated. They understand what happened with the real quid pro quo, which is the you got six hours. If you fire him, I'll give you a billion dollars. You don't fire him. You're not getting the money. And then his dopey son. Well, do you have any experience with the Ukraine? No. Any experience in energy? No. Oil? No. Gas? No. Nothing? None. Well, why do you think you were on the board? I don't know. I, well, I served on Amtrak once. I was on the board at Amtrak. That's not experience. And why did you get that position? Next question. Well, you think maybe it's because it's your father's last name? Probably. Anyway, here to break down the, the insanity of the media. Uh, Joe Conscious with us. He's a columnist, media columnist for The Hill. He also hosts his own show on our New York affiliate, the all new AM 710 WOR. How are you, sir? Doing great, Sean. That was a interesting breakdown that you just had. And, and I've seen some numbers as well that you've talked about in those key battleground states where impeachment is underwater by double digits. In other words, people that approve of what the Democrats are doing uh, currently on Capitol Hill, and they want them to concentrate on other topics like the opioid crisis and health care and immigration. So what, by taking their eye off the ball, and when this thing ends with the president not being removed from office, because again, you'd need 20 GOP senators to defect and outside of Mitt Romney and Pierre Delecto, who's really only one person, I don't really see any Republicans uh, that are going to uh, go against the party and uh, vote to remove the president. So we know how the movie's going to end. And then after all that, Democrats are going to have to say, okay, voters, here's what we've done since we took back the House in 2018. And they'll be able to point to almost nothing. And when you can't make lives of the American people better, and you're only running on negativity, and Hillary Clinton can attest to this by just saying Donald Trump's a bad guy, you're going to lose the same way you lost in 2016. I think it's going to be worse because I think as, you know, I I think, first of all, the fundamental unfairness of this, you know, the secret Soviet-style impeachment coup hearings being led by somebody who's compromised himself, which is the cowardly Schiff, um, I mean, he, he, I mean, you got him compromised. He's a fact witness in the case and he's running this whole charade and he's been lying He's a congenital liar that's been, you know, out there telling us we have all the evidence. Trump, Russia collusion. They couldn't pick a worse person to run this. So that's yeah. not popular. Then they still are not giving any due process because he's the judge, jury, executioner. And they've given no rights that, say, Newt Gingrich gave Bill Clinton and his attorneys in 1998 or Democrats gave Nixon when they tried to impeach him. So I, I, I see this going, getting worse and worse for them as they go along. If there was an honest media, even somewhat honest media here, you would have Adam Schiff being constantly bombarded with tough questions and his credibility questioned during interviews and during analysis. Instead, I don't know if you saw the Washington Post today, but they have a lead story that says, and this is literally the headline, and I literally fell off my chair. Like, it's not really a saying. I actually fell off, and I'm pretty sure I hurt my hip. Listen to this. Adam Schiff, one 
Collins wanted to be a screenwriter. Can he give the Trump presidency a Hollywood ending? That's a Washington Post story. And that's the type of love that an Adam Schiff gets. It's the type of love that Elizabeth Warren, when she puts forth a proposal today, $52 trillion for Medicare for all, when our entire federal budget is $4 trillion per year, even if we spent, you know, got rid of every single program and every single expenditure that we have, we still couldn't pay for it. Is that going to be fact-checked the way that a Trump proposal would? Of course not. So the problem is twofold. I'm going to make two very obvious observations, Sean. Most in political media loathe the president. We know that. But it's also very good for business. So that's, wow, the incentive, because you get ratings and clicks to go up. So Look, in terms of Trump and in terms of the way this is going to go, they aren't there, the media, to serve their viewers and readers. It's to be accepted within the bubble and loved by their peers and to get that next contract offer from your boss at these more liberal networks and publications if you go after Trump as hard as possible. I'm just surprised there aren't more contrarians that just say, look, I'm going to give an honest opinion. And if I, you know, an unpredictable, uh, unpredictable type of person in this business, that's a good thing because people don't know what you're going to say next. That's a good thing in this business when you're you're honest and people can spot authenticity, but we don't see that anymore. Everybody just wants to be accepted and do what their bosses think they should say and what they think viewers want to hear instead of what they should hear. And it's such a shame. I thought there were more, a couple of more people that had some, you know, for lack of a better term, balls in this business, but they, they don't. Everybody just wants to conform to the, the hive mentality and move forward with this because they don't know any other way. All right. Stay there. Joe Concha with us. All right, as we continue, Joe Concha is with us, opinion media writer for The Hill and fellow host on WOR in New York. It's interesting, you, well, you once formerly worked at Media I, they, I forget who wrote the column, but I saw a column in the last couple of days there about, you know, all these people that work at, you know, I call it Area 51, Roswell, Rachel Maddow's channel, MSDNC or fake news CNN, you know, they don't. Th- th- there is no delineation like there is a Fox. Like, for example, I-, I-, I keep telling everybody, oh, listen, what I do for a living. Hannity, what do you do for a living? I'm a talk show host. What is a talk show host? Well, it's all encompassing. It's like the full newspaper because we do reporting, straight news reporting, and I can produce thousands of hours. And we do investigative reporting, vetting Obama or what we've discovered with the deep state, FISA, the Hillary Clinton rigged investigation, uh, outsourcing intelligence gathering, you know, all the real Russian news that they ignored that we're going to learn an awful lot about in the days to come. Um, but then we also do opinion, and I'm honest that I'm a conservative, and I support the president's conservative policies, and we also talk about sports and culture and talk to friends like you about media. So we do everything. But they say that they're news. They claim that these primetime hosts are news people. They even allow Area 51 Roswell Rachel to be one of their moderators in debates. Imagine if Fox let me be a moderator in a Republican debate. I remember Rachel Maddow, she was on Bill Maher's show a couple of years ago, and she was actually challenged by a guy named Nick Gillespie, who writes for, I believe, Reason. And he's a pretty honest guy. He's, he's, uh, he's down the middle, or at least he's authentic, like I was talking about authentic before. And he challenged her on some of her opinions. And at one point, she had the audacity to say, I don't do my show to give my opinion on things. I'm here to report the news. I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> Just say you're an opinion person. It's okay. And then on CNN... 
where you look down their lineup at 8 to 11 o'clock, Anderson Cooper, Chris Cuomo, Don Lemon, they all are listed as anchors. They're presented as anchors, as people just asking questions and not taking a side. And we all know that's not true. And I think that's why so many people are turned off by the media, because they're sick of having their intelligence insulted by people being presented as objective people when you know most people are opinion at that point. Because let's face it, that's a little sexier, and that's a more fun place to be than just being a straight reporter where there aren't too many people like that anymore. So, yeah, I, I think if people were just more honest about where they stood and who they are and who they support, I think they'd have a lot more respect, quite frankly. What did you think of this uh, story that came out earlier today about the whistleblower's lawyer now threatening journalists to keep his identity a secret? Um, and, I, you know, I found the words actually really interesting. This is in light of Paul Sperry and Real Clear Investigations and his piece and about an open secret inside the Beltway. I'm sure like me, you you knew about this identity long before Sperry put it out there. Um, yeah. I just haven't been able to confirm it. So I just wait. Our client is legally entitled to anonymity. Disclosure of the name of any person who may be suspected to be the whistleblower places that individual and their family in greater physical danger. Any physical harm the individual and or their family suffers as a result of the disclosure means that the individuals and publications reporting such names will be personally liable for that harm. Such behavior is the pinnacle of irresponsibility and intentionally reckless. Um, I think if you're a hearsay non-whistleblower that is a secondhand whistleblower um, and you're, you're working with the deep state, I don't think you even qualify as a whistleblower is my answer. Yeah, you worked for Joe Biden and you worked for John Brennan and you're obviously a partisan. So you're no longer a whistleblower. You're simply an activist for a political party. And boy, that letter sounds like a threat to the free press to me, doesn't it? I mean, why shouldn't we as journalists pursue the name of who the whistleblower is and what that person's background is to establish, just like you do in a murder case, motive, right? Like, why are you doing this? Is it because you really are just a patriot like the New York Times says? Well, I, I got to take a break, but it makes reason? me want to now do it. It's I don't know why I have this side of me my whole life. It's sort of like when, you know, the word, if you say illegal immigrant or illegal alien in New York, you can be fined up to $250,000. So I just said it 400 times, you know, say, okay, come get me, de Blasio. Good luck with that case because you're going to lose. I got to take a break. Joe, great to hear from you again, as always. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Great story at the top. Dr. Biden does not believe Epstein was a suicide, and he was in on the autopsy. We'll get to that. And your calls, 800-941-SEAN, our final hour on a Friday, straight ahead. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. When did you realize uh, that the Epstein family needed help? Well, I was asked by the brother, the next of kin, to be at the autopsy. Mm -hmm. And at the autopsy on day one, there were findings that were unusual for suicidal hanging and more consistent with uh, ligature homicidal strangulation, which included... And it was suggested at the time that he committed suicide by doing what? By by hanging. uh, At the time, he was found allegedly hanging by... Uh, a uh, homemade ligature of sheets. Are you saying you don't think it was suicide? I think that the evidence points toward homicide rather than suicide. Why? Because 
there are multiple three fractures in the hyoid bone, the thyroid cartilage that are very unusual for suicide and more uh, uh, indicative of strangulation, homicidal strangulation. All right. On this Friday, happy Friday news roundup information uh, overload hour. We'll get to your calls at the bottom of this half hour and our best of audio for the week all coming up. So this story just fascinated me because it, it never it, it, it just didn't yeah, pass my smell test. And it's the story of this suicide death of Jeffrey Epstein. Now, we had had knowledge that like in the week or two before the quote suicide, which it is officially now been called, that he had been with some cellmate who beat the crap out of him. I guess had a black eye and everything else in between. Um. But there's a certain science to all of this. Another weird aspect of this was, okay, usually there are rounds and checks on every prisoner and suicide watch, especially for certain individuals and certain procedures and cameras in place. And and everything just didn't work out the way it normally would in this case. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I just said, hmm, just one of those you know, how do you commit suicide when you're like on the side of your bed and you can't just hang the rope or hang the sheets and put it around your neck and strangulate yourself or whatever, however that works. So I just had a little bit of a question. And anyway, it turns out that the former medical examiner for New York City is a friend of mine. And he was hired by the family, uh, by Jeffrey Epstein's brother, Mark, to observe the autopsy after he was found hanged in this lockup in Manhattan in August. And being, you know, now in this business some 50 years and 20,000 autopsies later, uh, many high-profile cases, I found his conclusions and observations amazing. Anyway, Dr. Michael Bodden is with us. He is New York City's former chief medical examiner. And David Schoen, who's been a friend of the program, civil rights attorney, I didn't even know this uh, until recently. He had been hired by Jeffrey Epstein only days before, quote, the so-called suicide. And he had been talking to Jeffrey Epstein. Anyway, uh, welcome both of you back to the program. Uh, Dr. Bodden, how many years? Uh, let's just go over your background and experience. You've done this, what, for right. almost 50 years? That's right. Um, Sean, I started out working uh, as a uh, medical intern and resident at Bellevue Hospital 19. 19- uh, 60, uh, part-time in the medical examiner's office, so NYU Medical School and Bellevue Hospital were right next to each other. And then in 1965, became a full-time uh, forensic pathologist and medical examiner and um, stayed there for 20, until 1985, becoming uh, chief medical examiner at one point, and then spent 25 years after that, as the chief medical examiner for this New York State Police. And, and how uh, many and how many autopsies were would you say either you performed or have been involved in over this long career of yours? Well, I've, I've done uh, performed more than uh, uh, 20,000 autopsies. But, uh, Sean, one of the things is back in um, uh, 1971, you remember the, the uh, Attica riot when 43. Um, uh, prisoners and guards died as a result of the riot. Yep. And one of the reasons, one of the main reasons for the riot is that the inmates thought that the, uh, the deaths caused by guards were being co- uh, covered up 
mm-hmm. as heart attacks. And so Governor Rockefeller, after Attica, established a, uh, a permanent uh, a commit, uh, medical review board for the Correction Commission to review every single death that occurs in jails, lockups, and prisons throughout New York State. And I've been the forensic pathology uh, uh, member of that board, reappointed by seven different governors. So I've seen every single hanging death, every death that has occurred uh, in the past uh, almost 50 years uh, in um, Let me, uh, can, in can I ask you this? New York State. So if I understand the the so-called suicide, and this was declared a suicide, and you were in the autopsy. Well, the medical examiner, right. But you've done all these these autopsies over the years. Right. Which, by the way, it kind of creeps me out. I'm just saying as a friend. <laughs> I've told you that before. Dead bodies is yeah. not on my list of things that I want to see I, every I day. That, but the, I know that. <laughs> but, but I want to go. I, I explain how somebody can, can hang themselves if they don't drop. If that, that, you know what I mean by that question? In other words, it is, yeah. When you say hanging, it usually means that the person is, it, it has the neck in a noose and is the weight of the body is on the ligatures hanging from above here. That didn't happen. He was found on his knee kneeling by his bed. The ligature was tied up at three feet above him on uh, the uh, one of the poles in the uh, bunk bed from the pole that goes from the bottom bunk bed to the top bunk bed. And the noose was around his neck. Now, he hadn't been seen for, as you said, for three hours. They didn't uh, uh, do any of the 30 minute rounds to see how he was. And the person who finds him is one of the guards, apparently, who fell asleep. There were two guards there to see him, too. They allegedly fell asleep. And uh, the, the, um, uh, no, the body was immediately moved away and, and sent down to um, the, uh, the hospital. So there was no scene investigation at all. The only person who saw what happened is uh, the guard. And he says he, he cut the ligatures. And um, he wasn't hanging. He was on his knees. Uh, so the idea was it's possible but very hard to put your head in a in a noose while you're on the ground and pull it tight enough to cause death. That can happen. But if it does happen, you don't get fractures of three bones in the front. And the mm-hmm. thing about the, the autopsy was there were fractures of the hyoid bone. Now, the, the thyroid cartilage is the Adam's apple. And... The left side and the right side of the Adam's apple were, were fractured, as was the hyoid bone above it. And that can't happen even if you are hanging, but it'll never happen at all if you just put your head in a noose. There's no pressure there. It's more like a, it's a crush injury. Kind of case you see if the neck is stomped on by somebody, uh, but it, or it, with a very uh, strong ligature strangulation. Um, that provides a lot, of, a lot of pre- a lot more pressure than just weight of the body. So mm-hmm. that those findings immediately uh, went against the possibility of a uh, uh, hanging suicide. Personally, it wasn't hanging, but um, also the the um, medical examiner who did the autopsy on the Sunday who did the autopsy also felt that even though they were told it was a, a suicide. She wouldn't make it a suicide. She said pending further investigation because she wanted to get the police investigation, the investigations that still uh, 
haven't been released or are still going on. And she left it as pending further investigation. And somehow about four or five days later, the chief medical examiner, who hadn't seen the body, she never saw the body, changes the suicidal hanging. And that kind of stops any investigation by the New York City police uh, because they don't investigate suicide. But um, we don't know what the FBI has done, whether they had uh, examined the ligature to see whose DNA was on it. Slow slow Uh, down one more second. Why don't they investigate suicides? Because uh, suicide is a closed case. They don't investigate heart attacks. They don't really investigate. uh, um, So there could be a political reason if they if they believe it's natural death or heart. They can say heart attack. So no, yeah, I got it. If if those if those questions arise, then there should be further investigation. But normally, usually, the the uh, as soon as you classify it as a non homicide as a non homicidal case, usually all the investigation will stop unless a fuss is made that this is. Uh, it, it, it all right. Well, I want to get to that in a second here. Now, David, you're listening to all this. I, yep. I I I had not known you were brought in officially as this guy's lawyer. Um, yep. I guess how many days before he, this all happened? Here's what happened. Uh, you know, he'd been calling me since his arrest, sending messages to other people, asking me to come see him. He had some fine lawyers in the case. He had Marty Weinberg from Boston. He had Reed Weingarten from Washington, D.C. I hesitated to get involved. For weeks before this, he had been calling me and asking me to review the work in another case. But um, So I had an ongoing sort of discussion with him. August 1st, I agreed finally to come to New York. I met with him at the MCC for about five hours. At that time, he asked me to take over the case completely. I said, subject to meeting with Weinberg and Weingarten. Um, and if they weren't agreeable, then the idea was I would put together my own team. Um, but I had hoped to work with them. Uh, tried to set up a meeting with them. One was overseas, etc. cetera. Um, I agreed finally to go forward in the case. And then throughout the next week, I was getting called. This is part of the other. Let me back up one step. Oh, yeah, listen, died, I'm going to say this. Everyone deserves a defense. <laughs> this guy, everything I read about him, there's nothing I like about him. So I understand that, but part of it was because, in my view at least, his defense was dysfunctional. There was a lot of there were a lot of answers to be given to the stuff that was out there in the media at the time. And frankly, um, I don't believe these stories about the underage girls. But that you know, neither here nor there for this purpose. For this purpose, um, I had one two instructions after I got news on that Saturday night that he passed away. I said you must have. I knew that the autopsy would be the following day. I said you must have Dr. Michael Baden in on that autopsy if it's at all possible. It turned out one of the other folks had a connection to him and they got to him and had him there. That was crucially important to me. I've had a number of these death cases. It's always important to have an independent guy there if possible, but he's generally, forget about all the credentials he told you about, he's generally recognized as the best in the world. So what he said is very important. I learned what he said on the 12th when I was then asked to represent the estate after he passed away. Um, until he came forward now, this stuff you know, has not been made public. There is no way possible the chief medical examiner could have ruled this to be a suicide conclusively. That's a scam. That's a political In five decision. days. In five days. Right? That's it. And Dr. Baden has told you exactly why not. But I'm going to give you one other element to it. I met with him on the first. We came up with a whole new multifaceted defense strategy in this case. The following day, I got a call from a member of his team um, who sort of you know, broke ranks. Because, you know, these guys sort of resented some of them that I was getting involved in the case. And he said to me, if you could get in today and start giving orders, it would be great for the team. He's so excited going forward. Five days later, I got a call from another person who met with him, said, this guy just loves you. 
He can't wait to go forward and fight this case. I got information that on the Friday before he died, he died Saturday, he was giving out orders to the team based on the strategies we had discussed about what to do moving forward. The idea that that person then commits suicide the following day is extraordinary, unli- extraordinarily unlikely to me. When I was visiting him, he had a visit from a prison psychologist, part of the suicide protocol, and it was a joke. She was smiling. He was smiling. It lasted about five minutes. Very nice person. But that wasn't a possibility. Dr. Baden, what, how, how convinced are you you're right? And, and look, I know there's probability odds and... Yeah, no, but you're but I, you're 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 good at what you do. I mean, you know, you've been were, in. If Sean, if this were a New York State case, our board would have found that this is a homicide until proven otherwise. That all the the uh, investigation should go forward. There's so many things that happen badly. Somehow the security guards fell asleep. That's ridiculous. Two of them. The cameras didn't work. Uh, and the injuries that I saw, see, uh, as uh, uh, David Schoen says, when I was at the autopsy, the injuries I saw, the fractures in the front of the uh, windpipes, we see in the street usually if somebody stomps on somebody's uh, neck with a, with a leather shoe, a hard shoe. But it could not happen, even if he were uh, hanging from a, uh, a ligat- from the ligature. And he wasn't. He was on the ground. There would have been very little pressure on the neck. If he died at all from that kind of a uh, position, it would have to be. Now, I, I, I got to take a break. I, I'm going to hold you guys over because I, I do have a couple more questions about this, not the least of which is, you know, the, the most hated figures you hear in jail are people that are alleged to be pedophiles. And this guy had the you know, sweetheart deal, quote, conviction or plea deal, whatever you want to call it. Um, We'll take a quick break. More with Dr. Michael Bodden, David Schoen on the other side. 800-941-SEAN is a number. Also get your calls in as we continue on this Friday. I 25 till the top of the hour. Happy Friday. Uh, We're going to forego our best of audio for this Friday. We'll get to your calls. I wanted to hold over from the last uh, half hour. Dr. Michael Bodden, New York City's former chief medical examiner, David Schoen, who in the days before, quote, the officially ruled suicide of Jeffrey Epstein in this Manhattan lockup, uh, he was retained as uh, his attorney. Uh, Dr. Bodden was hired by Epstein's brother to observe the autopsy. And he says, yeah, I I don't see suicide here. So here's my question to both of you. Maybe, David, we'll start with you first. Look, I don't know prison. I I just don't. Thank God. I don't want to know prison. One thing I always read about prison is there's two groups of people prisoners tend to hate rats and convicted child sex offenders. Now, okay, so Dr. Bodden, he doesn't believe this is a suicide. You don't believe this is a suicide. Now, does that mean that maybe this guy was killed because of what he's being charged with and what his reputation is and what his plea deal was in the past? Or do you think it's more nefarious than that and some type of, I don't know, because you hear all these people that flew on this Lolita Express and his Orgy Island. I mean, you read the papers like I do. As I said, I, you know, this guy gave me the creeps. Nothing about that guy that I liked. What any, Anything reading about this guy, there's nothing I liked about reading about that guy. Doesn't doesn't mean he doesn't deserve a defense. Everybody does. But you get my point. I get your point. Um, look, the who did it and how it was done, et cetera, is certainly 
you know, a matter of speculate, pure speculation. I will say this. Um, you're 100 percent right that that category of uh, people who are charged are at particular risk. The idea of the folks who they put him in the cell with is absolutely outrageous under any circumstances. As you mentioned, you know, the first guy uh, was a guy charged with several murders, tremendous guy, um, former police officer. When he, after that first incident, when he was moved out, they put him in with a guy who was supposedly a junkie, um, you know, using drugs actually in the cell, according to Mr. Epstein. In any event, um, uh, beyond all that, his wealth also put him at great risk, and they knew that. And he was very much afraid of that. He, it, they would show on the television, for example, the value of his house that the government raided, you know, largest, reportedly largest privately owned uh, house in Manhattan. And the inmates would make comments to him all the time about that. He was very afraid of that. And But any institutional uh, officers would have known that and should have known that. We're seeing this kind of thing far too often. Where there's, you know, it's always I have many. All right, but the bottom line is, you, you, you know, because you listen. Let's be honest. Uh, you're you you have represented rats. You have represented mob people. You have represented. I mean, this is this guy is probably known for Lolita Express and Orgy Island, and known for his wealth, and known for the 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 plea deal that everybody you know has been very critical of. Yeah, I have not represented rats, by the way, but I have represented other people who many consider unsavory. Um, and as I said before, yeah, it's not my position here. To well, people yes. considered rats. Is that a better way to put it? I, I correct the record. I don't. I, I mean, euphemistically, I don't represent people who All are right. You've, that, you, that, you that, have you, okay. You have represented people that have been alleged to have been associated with the mob. True or false? Correct. Correct. Right, there we go. I just want to be on the same page. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but but in this case, listen, there were again, the media killed this guy every day and stuff. The presumption of innocence is thrown out. I'm not here to defend the case. That's not what your show is about today. I will tell you there are a lot of answers to people who testified against him um, uh, substantively. But all of that's beside the fact, because what the folks on the inside at that MCC saw was great stories about great wealth. And by the way, that subjects people. I represented Crazy Eddie years ago, um, you know, wealthy guy. And he was forced to pay people at times on the outside of prison just for protection money. So this is a great risk. And they knew that. And the idea that they wouldn't have had him under observation 24 hours, seven days a week is absolutely outrageous. The idea that cameras in this facility weren't working, this is a you know facility with high profile inmates day after day after day. But we see that kind of thing in case after case, along with this fellow Hank Brennan, I'm representing the estate of James Bolger now. Same kind of thing where, you know, nobody was there. Nobody knows anything. All right. So but in prison, those would be, you agree, people that are alleged to be yes. rats, alleged to be pedophiles. They're the most hated. Or are there people that maybe flew on the Lolita Express and hung out at Orgy Island? Again, that's how it's portrayed in the media. I'm not characterizing this in a way that's unfair because that's what everyone said. Um, you are right. There are many people who had many reasons for wanting him dead. That's what I was asking. Do you have a personal suspicion? Because I look, I have no opinion on it. I don't know. I don't understand what medical examiners do. Forensic science is amazing to me, but it's not my area of expertise. I, I nor do I understand prison. Dr. Baden, how convinced are you that you believe that this was a strangulation 
And how, would you be able would you be able to prove it based on the evidence that you would have available to you? Last question. Yes, yes, that, that those uh, fractures are not due to suicide. Some other person had to put a great deal of pressure, either by stomping on him or by uh, closing that uh, loop, uh, the, the ligature very tightly. And and Sean, remember uh, that as David brought up, he had been assaulted. Uh, on July 23rd, we was found on the floor of the room. He said that this roommate had tried to kill him. He, uh, uh, the brother, Mark, feels that after that, he felt uh, certainly in fear for his life that somebody was out to get him. Normally, he should have been put in a uh, secure uh, facility, part of the uh, uh, institution. But instead, they put him on suicide watch instead of protecting him. But even Suicide Watch is supposed to be uh, seen 24 hours a day. Somehow, improperly, this psychiatrist that uh, uh, David referred to took him off it. Now, in prisons in New York State, a psychiatrist can't take somebody off. It has to go through a whole lot of procedures to take somebody off uh, uh, if they think he has attempted suicide. And then they put him in another room uh, with another roommate. But that roommate was removed a day or two before he was found dead. So at the time he was found dead, he had the cameras weren't working. The guards were asleep. The roommate had uh, had uh, been taken out of the bill uh, out. There already had been an attempt to harm him and he wasn't found hanging. He the the, the ligature looks like it was put on after death, the, you know, to, to tie it to the to the uh, three feet above the ground. He was dead, I think, before uh, that ligature. The uh, it was attached to the bed. He, he did not swing from the top of the bunk at all. The top of the bunk was uh, was not uh, uh, involved. Uh, so the injuries that he has, the three fractures in the windpipe, uh, could not have happened the way he was uh, in the position he was found. All right. Amazing mystery to me. Um, as I said earlier, I don't know anything about it. And um, Dr. Botten, I just know you've done this for 50 years. And David, I know you to be a man of impeccable integrity and would never lie to us. Uh, it certainly raises a lot of questions uh, whether we'll ever get those answers. I don't even know if it's going to be possible. You know, they didn't have the well, cameras working. The guys fell asleep. I mean, well, we don't know. We don't know what the FBI found. They're, they're the ones who went to the scene, who, who should have interviewed all the other prisoners who were who were right next to in the cells next to him. And what was the DNA on the ligature? Whose who's DNA was it? His, his uh, uh, Jeffrey's and the medical examiner at the time said would not say it's a suicide, though, although she was pressed to do so. She said pending further investigation. Somehow the chief medical examiner five days later, when no new information came in, uh, she said that the investigation is complete. She changed the, the suicidal hanging. And I just think that was a mistake, a premature diagnosis. And it, it itself interfered with the further investigation. All right. I want to thank you both remember, for being with us. Yeah. Last word, if I can. Just remember this. Those people who are in that room with Dr. Baden can't carry his bags. You've just heard from the foremost expert in the world. That ought to at least raise every questions for everyone. They shouldn't be satisfied with what they heard from the medical examiner. All right, Dr. Bodden, David Schoen, thank you both. Uh, a lot of odd coincidences, that's all I'll say. I just have no idea. I have, I'm 
I, it just is such a high profile case and a convergence of things that systems that would normally be in place, not being in this case. Uh, all right, Brad, Colorado. Happy Friday, Brad. Glad you called, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, Sean, for having me on, man. I watch you every day. I, Thank I you. love Laura. And I got to tell you, Tucker is one of my favorites, too. My my TV stays on Fox all day. And the only reason why I pay $120 a month is because that's the only place I can watch it. And I'm, I'm so grateful that 93.7 came to Colorado, this sanctuary state. It makes me sick. Uh, but I do have a couple of questions uh, in regards to Lindsey Graham. Hi. I love the guy. I can't understand why he's not playing the subpoena game like all these crazy Democrats. Man, I just I, 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 I have your answer. You ready? Yes, sir. When Michael Horowitz's report comes out, he said this numerous times. He is going to bring in Michael Horowitz and give him all the time he needs to go into every single minute detail of what he discovered in the FISA abuse case. Now, as it relates to these other matters, he has said that he is going to follow up on them. Uh, both Ron Johnson and Senator Charles Grassley, to their credit, have reopened the rigged investigation in a Hillary's server. Um, so that is now back in play. And then you got the Durham investigation. Look, I, I'm not I, I'm just going to say this. I am more frustrated than anybody because, you know, we built this team out for the very purpose, you know, of discovering all of this. We already know that there were warnings given to the DOJ and the FBI as it relates to Hillary's bought and paid for dirty Russian dossier. The media didn't cover that. We we've broken all of those stories, especially on the issue of of it not being verifiable and the warnings that were given and the bulk of information was the in the FISA application. They knowingly lied to the court. They were warned. They did it anyway. That's premeditated. That's fraud against the court. They did it to spy on then candidate, then transition team, then President Trump. We also were in the forefront of breaking down what happened with Sam Clovis, Carter Page, Papadopoulos, this Joseph Misfood misidentified as a as a Russian asset when he was a Western asset in the Mueller report. And we've gotten to all of that. Um, I, I look. It's frustrating. I, I don't even know what to say anymore, except that let's get the report. We're told now before Thanksgiving, if it goes after Thanksgiving, I don't even know what to say anymore. But he is done with the report. It's in the declassification process. Government is pathetically slow. But there is going to be a cascade of information that comes out with this and the fact that now the Durham investigation is officially a criminal investigation is beyond meaningful because that is the right to subpoena, convene grand juries and charges can then be filed. I believe all of that will happen. And I do believe it will have an impact on the the Soviet secret style impeachment coup attempt of the compromised, corrupt, coward congenital liar adam schiff i i think all of that's happening well joke um so this well the christine blase ford thing she went up there she didn't even shed a tear she this 
lady is so full of it, and I don't know how they found her to. to I mean, she's basically selling her soul to the Democratic devil, going up there and completely manufacturing and lying every word up there about about our new uh, justice. You know, it's just it's ridiculous. Listen, just stay stay tuned. I, I'm running out of time, but I I just hang in there. I feel the same way you do. All right, we're really out of time. Um, look, we've got a lot coming up. Let not your heart be troubled. The backlash has begun. The madness is going to be exposed. We got the Horowitz report before Thanksgiving. I'm told, finally, we're waiting. And the Durham report is now a real investigation. And I will say this. Whatever involvement Schiff's office has had, with this so-called whistleblower, non-whistleblower, hearsay whistleblower, whoever this person is. That's going to be big trouble for the compromised, corrupt, congenital liar, coward, Adam Schiff. Mark my words. Have a great weekend. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you back here on Monday.